And welcome once again to the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Papa News at PapaNews.com in Omaha, Nebraska, and in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Catherine Ironwood of LuckyMojo.com in Forestville, California, and Conjurman Ali of TheConjurman.com in Mission Viejo, California. This week, we'll be joined by a special guest from the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, Toe Meadows of ToeMeadows.com in Auburn, Alabama, bringing us today's topic on work in the Bible. Afterwards, they'll take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, or root work as divined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first, let's catch up with our co-hosts. Miss Cat and Conjurman Ali. Miss Cat. Hi, Papa Newt. Gee, it was so nice seeing you this last uh, weekend and the week before. It was wonderful to hang out with you. Uh, folks, Papa Newt came all the way from Omaha to take an apprenticeship class with me for a week on herb magic, candle magic, and special washes and waters. And he was wonderful, a helper stuffing little paper bags for the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. And then he tapped it all off by presenting one of the nicest, really most educational, interesting, and beautiful workshops I've ever seen. And it was on working with St. Joseph to uh, rebuild the town of Santa Rosa after the fire. And there's a flyer. And you can ask for the flyer if you did not attend the Hoodoo Heritage Festival and if you did not get that um, mojo beans, and all, which are called St. Joseph beans, and if you didn't get all that stuff at the festival, we do still have the flyer. And uh, you can just ask when you place an order with Lucky Mojo, just say, send me that patron saint flyer by Papa Newt. It was Exemplary, and he went into a lot of saints, and um, and there's a rumor around that he may be writing a book. So we we just got some hopes in on, on that one. <laughs> so so Papa Newt, it was just so wonderful to have you. I I trust you got back safely to Omaha. I did. It was a wonderful, easy flight back. Oh, mm. Well, we had more dim sum with this man. And, <laughs> And uh, we went out to dinner several times, and we just, um, I just um, felt much, much, I, I get to know Papa, I mean, I've always known Papa Newt, I mean, since ever, but I really, I really just had so much fun hanging out with you, honey. It was really great, and um, and it was just uh, just lovely. And you really know so much about um, Catholic folk magic. Uh, I'm looking forward to what you have to write about it, because, you know, I'm not a Catholic, and, and you are. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I take my cues from them that do, and you do it. That was great. Well, we're back um, on track, you know, just the usual that we're doing. Um, we had a lovely festival, and I'm going to tell about more than just his workshop. Um, if you missed it, you missed it. But there are flyers left over. We always print extra flyers, and um, the way it works is 
about 100 people will come to the festival each year, and we give away the flyers and the little workshop bags and all the stuff and the books that go in those bags. But anything uh, left over, we print an extra 400 flyers. We print 500 at a time. You know, that's a ream of paper. So those 500 flyers, 100 go to the festival. The other 400 are paid for by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company shop, and they're given away free when you order. So if you missed the festival, you can ask for those flyers, but you can't get them all at once. you got to order <laughs> ask for one at a time. If you want a package of them, we might be able to work out some sort of a deal because there are um, four books and there were six other flyers. And uh, so, you know, we might post a little something how you can order those flyers. But they will be published eventually in the next book called The Red Folder, which is like the Black Folder, Big Book of Flyers, and that they will be forthcoming. So um, I just want to thank everybody who came out uh, and presented. Debbie Spring, Valentina Burton, um, uh, John St. Germain, um, Deacon Millett, so many people, uh, Ms. Robin York, and I'm going to leave some out, I'm sure, and probably um, Nagashiva will remind me in the chat room whom I'm leaving out. Oh, I presented two. And, yeah. uh, there were five every book. day. Yes. Yeah. And we yeah, right. Well we put out new books. Uh Lithomancy by John Saint Germain is on sale now. An incredible book. And he he gave a wonderful workshop just showing how to tell the future with just three stones. A white stone, a brown stone, and a black stone. But his book is filled with many, many other methods. Um and um then uh I put out a book called The Art of Making Mojos. Well, it tells you how to make a mojo. Folks, you've all been asking, and I have web pages on it for free, but, you know, for those who want to delve into $9 worth of what's in my mind, uh, there's a book, The Art of Making Mojos, and it came out really pretty. Lots of illustrations of old-style mojos from old um, hoodoo urban root catalogs because people have this idea that a mojo must look some certain way. I put mm-hmm. in pictures of as many different styles as I could, and our good, dear friend, Gray Townsend, cleaned up those pictures from old catalogs and uh, composited them. You're going to see more mojos than you believed possible. If you think that this was something you know, obscure and only available from some guy living in a swamp, not so. There are, there are um, chamois leather mojos, Mojos tied in a handkerchief, um, Mm -hmm. mojos in Chinese brocade cloth, mojos in a red flannel bag, mojos in just a scrap of red flannel rag, uh, you name Mm -hmm. it. And they're all shown in this book and with many, 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 uh, I guess what you could call them, recipes, cookbook recipes for how to put together mojos for different things. So that's my book. Um, Then the the book, um, Destroying Relationships by Miss Aida. It's a great book on breakup spells. Miss Aida was not with us at the festival, so Deacon Millett, who is known far and wide as, you know, the love deacon, um, and does all these sweet sugar spells, he did an incredible workshop with a lemon. We all had a lemon. We had nine pins. We had a paper we had rubber bands those big old thick rubber bands like they used to hold broccoli together you know what i mean big fat mm. rubber bands and we 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 pinned this lemon and we rubber banded it and we put red oh he had little packets of red pepper from a pizza parlor you know what i'm saying everyone got a little oh, yeah, our little, oh it was yeah. so cool it Just was cool, that's very cool. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, it was just, it was great. And he said, even if you didn't come into this workshop mad, there's somebody you want to separate from somebody else. If nothing else, he said, you're going to want to some maybe separate somebody from their political office. <laughs> and, he uh, that, and we all laughed. Ain't right. that, that's fantastic. Yeah. It was a fantastic, it was a fantastic <laughs> workshop. And we saw another side of Deacon Millet. Um, I just, I love him. And then um, uh, Danny, oh, that was the name I forgot. Uh, Miss Phoenix, uh, Miss Phoenix, Phoenix LeFay did her workshop on Cashbox Conjure, and that book is a hit already. People are just buying it off the table. They were just going crazy for it. Um, this is a book on money magic. It's you know over 100 money spells, ranging from the simplest three little things you can put together in your pocket to very complex layouts with candles and sigils and you name it, and um, mojo bags. It's all money all the time. 96 pages of money spells, and like I said, over 100 spells. Then they are for luck money, for gambling money, for job getting, for running a business, your brick and mortar store, business online, getting back debts that are owed, uh, investments. It's every kind of money spell. And many of these, most of them, are real old spells. These are not, you know, uh, Miss Phoenix LeFay tells you what's off the top of her head. These spells go back into the the 20s and the 30s, they're all laid out with the ingredients that you need, lists of, of what you're going to need to put in them. Beautiful book, gorgeous cover, um, and that's a, that, that book was, is going to really fill a need because, truth to tell, a lot of people do need more money, and that book is good. So we, we just had a great time. We had great attendance. We had a vendor table for Lucky Mojo separate from the festival, which is held by the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches. And the, the Lucky Mojo, just speaking as a co-owner of Lucky Mojo, we did the best we've ever done at one of these mystic fairs in Santa Rosa. We made, we we just coined money. I couldn't believe it. It mm. was amazing. I'm I'm telling you, it was it was amazing. And so that was really a, great for the shop because the shop just you know we were like, well, if they hold the festival away from the shop, will anyone come and buy anything? Oh yes, they did. And we made new friends, people we'd never seen because they'd never left Santa Rosa to come out to Forestville. So we did wonderfully from a commercial standpoint. But the festival itself was just uh, wonderful. And I want to thank everybody. Uh, Robin York did this wonderful uh, showcase on love spells. Oh, my God. people! She's a, she's a funny person. She's a sincere person. She's a sexy person. And she just was going right at it. And uh, we got more... I mean, you'd have to have filmed her. It was like a stand-up comic act, the way she was playing with those candles. <laughs> it was something. And Mama E and uh, and, um, and and Clayton, who um, have started a company, uh, Clayton has started a company called Transcendent Candles, and he's casting figural candles now, and he's casting some of our candles from our molds. He's also casting his own. Everybody got a little skull candle, um, they got some blessing herbs. They got some special oil number 20. They got a little piece of aluminum foil. Did a little ancestor blessing on that skull and um, put the herbs around it and then took the little um, aluminum foil and just curled it up and made it like twirled it like a little Hershey's Kisses and they were able to take that home and then you can light it when you get home. And those candles came courtesy of Transcendent Candles. And I was very pleased with that workshop because it was so... 
uh, spiritually motivated, and and Mama E and Clayton have a really a very pure energy around them. That was a great workshop, wonderful workshop on ancestors and on these brand new candles that they're um, selling to the public retail and selling to shops like mine wholesale. So all props to them. And then um, Debbie Spring did a, a workshop on Asian. Uh, deities in hoodoo and this is one of those controversial topics there's going to be people who said ain't no such thing but there is such a thing and it Mm -hmm. does go back uh, to the 20s and um and so she talked about buddha in in hoodoo and also uh the uh, hindu deities like lakshmi and uh and uh, Ganesha and so forth. And she had a little altar for Ganesha, and she did. A, she led us in chanting. She goes, if you're going to work with these things in a hoodoo context, you ought to at least learn the the the, the mantra of Ganesha. You know, you can get a little authentic <laughs> here. And so we were all chanting uh, this uh, little uh, Ganapati, you know, uh, mantra. It was great, and the energy was fantastic. She's a beautiful teacher. I'd never met her before. She's from um, the U.S. South. She lives in Canada now. But she's a she's a very eclectic person. It was a very eclectic um, workshop. It was really great. Valentina Burton, who's a, a member of Air, she did a, a wonderful thing on the use of tarot cards in magic as opposed to divination. She's a tarot card reader. But this was how to use tarot cards in magic. We each got three tiny, like little mini tarot cards just at random. We got six big and large color tarot cards. And then the idea was how to use the little ones as dolls. You know, you could even cut them out or you can put a, um, tape a person's hair to them and how you can move them through the situations. Because if you ever look at the tarot, like the Rider Waite tarot, it's like a landscape. And you can lay it out. Like, how do you want this story to progress? You want this person to go from darkness to light or you want this person to go from light to darkness or you want them to have more money or whatever and then you move that little doll-like card through this sequence it's very very close like oh, doll magic with tarot cards it was totally totally new to me totally cool and then she also showed us how using a system that mary Kay greer uh, used how to use um your birth your name and your birth date and your um progressed uh, birth year uh, to find the number of the tarot card that represents you at the current time for betting mm. or for uh, divination for a significator card, or you can just bet the numbers. Amazing, amazing stuff. So Valentina has her head full of, like, stuff I, I just, there's a whole new angle on tarot for me. Oh, so wow. I like that a lot. It was great, yeah. So that's what we did, and um, I know I've left a few out. Um, I know I left some out. Oh, and I want to thank uh, Shelby O'Connelly, um, who is our photographer? She uh, she did um, hundreds of photos. We've been putting them all over Facebook. Oh, and Angela Marie says uh, in the chat room. Angela Marie, who I just spent the last hour with, uh, did a, a workshop on sigil magic. So this is using the magic of of the grimoire tradition of Europe. These would be the um, Oh, you know, the Solomonic seals, the seals from the 6th and 7th books of Moses. So these are Kabbalistic. Some of them are Jewish-derived. Some of them are Christian. Um, they they work with the Bible, and we're going to get into the Bible in a moment. But she also uses them in a spiritualist sense. She also has added to these the Elder Futhark, the Norse mm. Futhark. She's also added to them the Galdrabach sigils from um, mm. Iceland. And she just loves sigils. That's where she's at. She's all about the sigils. She cuts out little people's faces, and she makes these 
fantastic spell sheets, um, paper, mm. like they're collages, and we passed them around, and then she she had all the makings for it. And again, um, uh, Gray uh, and Nagashiva and, and Deacon Millet had all helped in making these parchment sheets, and we cut them out, and we each of them, each of us made one spell for whatever we wanted. We had uh, different, like we could take... Um, I used a, a pentacle of Saturn for protection. Other people used a, you know, a, a pentacle of Jupiter for money or whatever it might be. You cut that out. You put the whole thing together. She had this little base card of a pentacle with all these circles around it. And it was just like, wow. And then everybody made their own. And then we passed them around and shared them and saw how we did them. And, um, the, of course, these are used to burn candles on. And so they are the spell paper that goes under the spell. And and she showed us how we, we write your petition on the back of each of these as you cut them out and you glue them on, and the petition is now embedded in the thing. Wow, it was something else. And she, this was the first time she'd ever really taught a workshop, and she said, um, she said previous to this she's taught first aid and CPR. <laughs> she goes, I just need to know my material and I can teach. And she is a natural teacher. We were really excited about it and um i'm very much hoping that a book is in the offing for her as well i I think that what she's doing here goes back again it breaks people's stereotypes about hoodoo if you read the interviews that were conducted with um old hoodoo practitioners if you read old hoodoo books going back to the 30s you'll see that hoodoo practitioners uh, have adopted grimoire magic why not because it's there right and it's it's available and so if you look at books like um legends of incense urban oil magic came out in 1936 the whole back pages there's four pages on the seals of moses and this is typical of what i learned growing up in the 60s every older african-american woman raised in the south who lived in the east bay if she didn't know how to use oh, one of these sigils or whatever, she knew someone who did. Not everybody used them. Now, I'd say maybe 10, 20% of people in the East Bay knew about that they existed, but they could always point you to that. But, oh, look in that book. That book had Ancient Secrets of, of you know, whatever, Albertus Magnus, Legends of Incense, Urban Magic, Protection Against Evil by Henri Gamache, and there would be these sigils in them. So Angela, who um, also grew up in California, she she ran with it, and she has produced um, a body of work that we hope to document in a book and that book we hope will be for sale at the next food heritage festival so i also found out i'm going to say one more thing about that then we're getting it onto our panel discussion i found out i told people a couple of years ago that i'd be hoping to retire when i'm 72 and that i guaranteed i'd do a couple more festivals at that time i think it was three or four more and everybody every year says, isn't this the last one? Isn't this the last one? It's like that old song, this could be the last time. <laughs> I don't know. But it isn't the last time. Um, I guaranteed that I would um, be a major producer of these festivals until next year. And then I'm going to take a back seat and hope someone else produces them. I think we've got a lineup of people who can produce these festivals, and I'm and where I think we're going to do very well. But I told people, as long as a train can be taken, a train, I don't fly. I will take the train to wherever the next festival is. But at this point, it looks like next year, probably again in California, and after that, we may move around the country. If you're in one place or another, you may come out to these festivals. We're going to try to get them set up in different areas, different audiences. And um, so don't 
whoever it was, people were coming up. Literally, one lady had tears in her eyes and said, you've been such a good teacher. I'm so sad you're retired. And I looked at her and I said, what? <laughs> and she goes, I'm just never going to see you again. And I just I came all the time to see you. And I'm like, I was, uh, yeah. And I went, well, that's sweet, honey, but but I ain't dead yet. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'm still alive. I said, you know, um, let's talk. So somebody been spreading some rumor, you know, about me. Um, I don't know what they thought. I said, I said, I looked at myself. I took an assessment. Of my, I still have my health. I can feel all my fingers and my toes. My heart's still beating. I'm still breathing. What the heck was she weeping about? Anyway, it was nice to be loved, but it was the wrong um, form of love at that moment. So don't you worry. <laughs> I've always said I would retire when I'm 72 from leading these festivals. Anybody uh, else want to take over? Maybe it's, it, you know, we've we got a lot of members of AIR. We've got 30-some people in AIR, and yeah. somebody's going to leap to that. And I have a feeling i got a name hidden on the back of my tongue, but I'm not going to speak that name until we get him straightened up. <laughs> all right. And that's all I have to say about that. So we had a great time. I want to thank everybody for coming out for the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. And I'm going to say, I guess, one more thing, because I've been asked. Um, uh, no, I'm not going to. The hell with it. <laughs> right, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to leave that drop. I'm not, the hell with it. Uh, we had a great time, and yeah. comparisons are odious. That's for sure. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right, that was it. I'm so glad it was right. such a wonderful event. I'm I'm yeah. so sad I missed it, but it sounds so exciting. We missed you it too. It was. Though. We missed you too, Countryman. And I do have to say another thing too. The venue wasn't a, as pretty as being out on our grassy lawn. That's for sure. Oh. On the other hand, the people with disabilities and mobility issues all thanked me. It was in a room, and the room oh, was flat. Yeah. And I got that. I really, I heard that. So more accessible. There was, it was much more accessible. We've had a lot of people um, who've said, but I can't bring a wheelchair onto the lawn. Well, that's true. You can't. And so um, I, I just, I felt I, I, there's going to have to be some sort of a way we can do this that everybody can get what they want. One lady said, well, I liked it when you gave us the free lunch and I was willing to pay extra. They had the damn good lunch that you paid for at they the did. fair. And it yeah. was was great food. It was great food. So I didn't feel like I had to provide a lunch anymore. That that was taken oh, no. care of. Um, so and it was healthy. I mean, talking of not fast food, it was good stuff. So uh, we're we're going to work it out. We're going to work it out. We may we we may be in conjunction with the Mystic Fair again. We don't know yet. We we were very satisfied with everything about that, even including the rather PTSD afflicted Vietnam vets. Who 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 flipped out when Nagashiva blew the conch oh. for the beginning of each workshop, and came over and started yelling at me and saying oh. they blew the horns before the Tet offensive. You know oh. they blew the horns before the Tet offensive, and I'm like, oh Jesus, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and all all blessings upon the PTSD-afflicted Vietnam vets, but we we blew the horn. And so now yeah. she had to go up to them and say, I'm about to blow the horn now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we worked it out because we were friendly people. They were friendly people. Yeah, and um, you might ask, what were the Vietnam vets doing at the Mystic Fair? I'll tell you what they were doing. 
The, the Mystic Fair was held at a building called the Vets Building. It's a Veterans of Foreign Wars building, and they're kind of comped in. You can hold, um, you know, you can hold a, 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 oh my gosh, any you know, a fashion contest, and the vets will be there. You can hold a Mystic Fair, the vets will be there. They always get a booth, and um, they that's their thing because it's their building. Right. Hmm. That's why they and they were very nice people actually. Yeah, yeah. It's a this small town, Santa Rosa, not the biggest city in the world. You know, you got the vets. It's a vets building. The vets are going to be there. They got their booth. They were selling rubber duckies. They sell rubber duckies. No, for real. These are rubber duckies in all different colors. They the rubber duckies, because the rubber ducky they picked that symbol as the most harmless thing that it would be fun, and they sell rubber duckies and all the money goes to help veterans. And I'm like. Okay, but we happened to be right next to the rubber ducky booth. It was kind of funny. But there were other booths. It was like, uh, you know, many psychics were there. Who do psychics? Had two tables, psychic readings all day. Um, I read a lot. Uh, Mama E read a lot. Uh, Deacon Millet. We we had readers just going all the time. Oh, Sister Jean. Oh, my God. One more thing. Sister Jean, I'd never met her before. She's a member of AIR, Deseret Conjure. What a lovely lady. And it was just so much fun to hang out with her. Just a person I'd never, I thought I'd never meet this woman. She said, here's the part I I have to be embarrassed about. She said, well, I've come to your festival before. And I'm like, you did? And then I realized she used to have um, dark hair. Her hair is now bright red like Lucille Ball's hair. And I was like, I thought it was a different lady. I thought it was a different lady, you know what I mean? And I couldn't, I didn't recognize her. And I was so embarrassed. Oh, my God. But I have very low vision. And she was not only was she, she was was very kind about it. She goes, you've met me before. I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) And and, um, so, but she has, she came all dressed as, um, in I guess 1940s clothes. It was amazing to see her. She was dressed kind of like this little post World War II bebopper. I mean, it was just uh, uh, trippy well, with her hair done up in a little tie. Oh, she was something else. It, anyway. it sounds it sounds like such a blast. I'm so so sad I missed it, but I'm glad everything went so so well. And oh, it so, went. It was. Oh, it so was much fun. It was so shall we bring on? Um, yeah, we uh, got to bring our guest in. I know I could talk about this for an hour and a half, and we'd make you all wish you were there. Well, another person we missed was Co. Co didn't, yeah. didn't come out this time, but you know, not everybody comes out to every festival. Maybe we will get him back again, right? Sure. So oh, I want to yeah. welcome. Plans for the future. So, yeah. I, well, I want both of y'all back sometime. Um, so Co Meadows is our guest. I'm going to give you a little intro on him. Co is uh, the proprietor of uh, uh, Coe Meadows Conjure. And Coe lives in Alabama, a fabulous YouTube star. I mean, uh, watch, and and Facebook Live. I mean, Coe is a a master of presentation on video. And I am a fan. i got to say, Coe, I watch every one of those things. I love them. They're so good. And Coe presented at our Hoodoo Heritage Festival the year before, and on uh, cosmetics and beauty products. He's been on the radio show with us before. And um, so welcome, Co to the show, and we're going to talk about the Bible. So take it away, Co. 
Well, hello. Thank y'all for having me here again. Um, <laughs> and I'm so happy to hear that everything went so well with the Heritage Festival, and I do hate that I wasn't able to be there this year. And hopefully next year I can come back and maybe present and all of that great, wonderful stuff. So I guess we'll just keep that in the, you know, out there in the universe and maybe it'll come back around. Mm-hmm. But... um. Mm-hmm. In regards to um, Bible magic and all of that great, wonderful stuff, um, the reason why I decided today to discuss Bible conjure um, mm-hmm. and Bible magic is there's a, there's a big thing going on in, in, in the trending of hoodoo um, where we have, um, especially in the black community, that's, that there's a big trend that's called like hashtag woke and hashtag conscious, where everyone, where a lot of people are becoming more familiar with their indigenous cultures, um, really, really delving deep into these religions. Um, for example, I am um, of the religion of Vodou, but then you have like Ifa and Centuria and just so many other different um, ATRs and a variety of different things. However, what a lot of people here recently have been doing that I find is incredibly disrespectful is actually dismissing the Bible. And they dismiss the Bible in, and and, and I'm in a couple of different Facebook groups, and you never see anybody working the Bible, nobody working Psalms, nobody working um, Job in different specific areas of the Bible, um, and, and it's because a lot of people have this um, very negative, nasty taste in their mouth about Christianity if they mm. are going to if they're going to be a, a hoodoo, if they're going to be doing root work and conjure and all of those different things. But what I try to explain to people is this: hoodoo was not born, never was born out of a place of oppression. It comes from two different primary spaces, number one being our African religion, number two being our African-American experience. Now, Mm -hmm. part of that American Mm -hmm. experience is the Bible. Mm -hmm. And what we cannot do is dismiss those ancestors that were true and devout Christians. Now, they may have been raped, they may have been killed, and they may have had fear struck into in order to be a Christian. But over time, you begin to have some people in your family's line that were true, devout Christians. So mm-hmm. one of the big, biggest things that I think is very disrespectful is not having a Bible on your ancestor altar. Mm-hmm. A lot of mm-hmm. people... Thank you. A lot of people do not agree with that. They're, oh, no, that's not what we did. But, no, it is. if you claim hoodoo, in which, I mean, I can go really deep into that whole situation, but if you claim hoodoo, then you also have to take all parts of that, including the Bible. So in the mornings, because what you hear people say is, oh, give your cigars and give your tobacco and give your coffee, but guess what? What about grandmother who prayed for you with that Bible nine to 21 times when you were being born to make sure those spirits didn't get you before you got out into the real mm-hmm. world? Yeah. Those kind of things 
are things that are missing. These are the things that I wish to allow people to be reconnected with and accept. It doesn't make you weak, and it doesn't make you less of a magical person. Because when you look into the book of Psalms, there are nothing but a bunch, a book of spells. They're spells, they're Mm -hmm. words. And when you listen to those words of the Bible, the reason they're so powerful is because the words are written in conviction. You do not, there's no second guessing. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I think I won't, mm-hmm. or I may mm-hmm. won't. No, mm-hmm. I shall not. It is done. So the mm-hmm. Bible is a very important um, reference into doing hoodoo in regards to ancestral working as well as to a variety of other parts of working in general. It is a great place to get a literally um, a good blueprint of how to write your petitions and how to write spell work, especially mm-hmm. if you're coming into this. You know, I'm so, just gonna, um, I'm just gonna, I, I would like to jump in here and just mm-hmm. say, I love what you are preaching because, and you say something as a person who is not African American, as a person who was uh, born Jewish and raised, you know, fairly eclectically, be friends with everybody. I uh, never uh, thought that I would be um, unable to um, practice hoodoo because everybody who taught me taught me the Psalms, and I already knew the Psalms because mm-hmm. they're Jewish. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that hoodoo was Jewish. I'm saying we had a common common language. We had a common understanding of those particular prayers. Now, yeah. since then, I've gone on to find out that there are Muslims who practice hoodoo and they use the surahs of the of the Holy Quran. So good for them. But uh, most people that I know have some Christ- Christianity in their family. And most of the best of the older workers that I knew, these people would now be in their 90s if they have not uh, gone home because these are older people that taught me and I'm 70 now. Mm. Um, they knew their Bible through and through and they knew yeah. what to do with that. And, um, you know, that's not to say they should not be or their children should not follow Ifa or Lukumi or Palo or Vudun or whatever. That's fine. You follow what you want to. But you said it, man, on your ancestor altar, don't forget what grandmother had and did. Yeah. Grandmother had and did something that was not those things. And Christianity is a powerful, powerful yeah. form of magic. Thank you for and saying that. We should also note that when, when when we say Christianity, there is a it would be it would be incorrect to assume Christianity as a European religion solely, as the religion mm. of colonizers and and those people. Christianity came to Africa. I mean, people assume that the, Christian, the conversion process happened in the United States, in America, in colonial America, that there was sort of forced conversion. But Christianity actually starts its journey um, quite early on. There were Christian converts, mm-hmm. predominantly uh, the wealthy elite in particular would convert, um, as well as Christianity, Islam, and Judaism were within Africa for, for a long time. And all three of those religions were made indigenous. And that's the important part here, because you're stripping away people's agency when you assume that they're being that they're just absorbing a religion that belongs to someone else, and you need to throw those shackles off. You're ignoring the fact that that religion became African American, that it became African. That's right. right. The people, I mean, you look at the beautiful ring shouts 
um, that is practiced in, in North Carolina, right, that combined, you can see the Christian elements to it, the praising of the Lord with the ring movements that are uh, reminiscent of indigenous African religions. And you see how the religions were made African-American, right? That, that is the power and agency there that should be acknowledged. I mean, there's a whole tradition of, of last names that would let you know that they were versed and, and they were either uh, Muslim Africans or Christian Africans who were versed in either the Quran or the Bible or in the Psalms and therefore were literal ritual experts. And we have evidence of this from very early on. So the idea that kind of, that, oh, Christianity was kind of forced upon it and Hudu just kind of reluctantly accepted it, that it was kind of a, a cover for Hudu, it really is ignorant of that history and strips people of the agency that they experience. I mean, imagine the, the power of, of that, of saying, look, we recognize the power of the Bible and we're going to use it to deal with the experiences that we're going through. We're seeing the figure of Moses and resonating, right? Uh, one of the other things that people forget about the Bible and Hoodoo is that Moses is one of the most important figures. You call upon Jesus for help, but Moses is the figure that most African-American Hoodoo doctors resonated with. He was the miracle worker considered by many to be the very first Hoodoo doctor himself. That's right. That's right. And, um, you know, there's Zora Neale Hurston, a great African-American oh, yeah. um, documentarian, folklorist, and novelist, fiction writer, wrote about this, Moses, the Man on the Mountain. And the um, another African-American novelist who I just uh, just love, Ishmael Reed, wrote a whole oh, yeah. book about, about a novel. It's a, it's a funny, fantastic, a magic realism novel in which he goes on about um, – how hoodoo, and she calls hoodoo, and he says it just grew like Topsy in Uncle Tom's Cabin. Hoodoo just grew. It, it, nobody owned it. Nobody started it. It just grew. And uh, in in this, he ta- he gives a whole long sequence about Moses and Jethro the Midianite and um, how hoodoo really is an African way of working, and yet it's it goes back. And, of course, most people and many, many Jews would also say, if you read the Bible and you believe in the Bible, uh, Moses was a dark-skinned man, uh, mm-hmm. Jesus was a bronze-skinned man. It's pretty obvious it says so in the Bible, so we all understand yeah. that. Um, but uh, Christians sometimes don't because, you know, they made Jesus to be more uh, Germanic-looking because they only had German people to look at. They had no other, no other model. They didn't know what people looked like in northern Africa. So they went, oh, well, okay. You know, they didn't know what people looked like in the Levant. So they they made Jesus look German. Well, good for them. That's fine. When I grew up, um, as my uh, as my uh, companion uh, at, once told me, there there was a there black Jesus and there's white Jesus. And I said to him, well, there's also Jewish Jesus. <laughs> there's three Jesus. Mm-hmm. And if you go if you go to a church and get a church fan. Your church fan will either have on it white Jesus, black Jesus, or, German, or Jewish Jesus. And um, he asked me, how do you tell them apart? And I said, well, white Jesus has blondish hair. A Jewish Jesus has, you know, a, sort of a ruddy complexion, and he has curly black hair, and black Jesus is black and has dreadlocks. Well, that's what you got. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. That is the truth of how it was in the 70s when I was young, in the 60s mm-hmm. and 70s. Everybody knew that. Nobody... Nobody made a big deal out of it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people kind of fail to recognize um, also that, that there is a there is a real clear blurring of lines here. So most people, I think there is this, a really attempt nowadays of, of of kind of making hoodoo into a sort of magical system by stripping it from the kind of spiritual roots. 
that, oh, hoodoo is just natural magic. But that's not actually the case. Hoodoo is a spiritual practice of a particular culture, of a particular people, African Americans in the United States. And for many people growing up, they would know something of hoodoo without even calling it hoodoo. Many people knew how to use the Bible to bring down a fever. Many people knew how to use the Bible to make sure that if, if a husband and wife were fucking with one another, how they could bring peace between husband and wife. They knew all of those works, but they may not have referred to them as hoodoo. So that's something really important to recognize. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's something that's really, really... This is one of the... Um, I know, like, for example, Miss Cat, you have the... Um, Hoodoo Correspondence Course, and one of mm -hmm. the things that is brought up in that course is you have to know the culture of, you know, black Americans. You need to become a friend or you need to know mm -hmm. or whatever. And because mm -hmm. of that, that was like one of, the, one, of the, like one of the projects I'm working on right now is a project called Conjure South. And, mm -hmm. and, 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 the, and the reason why I created Conjure South is to create a space where people can learn about the community, learn about our culture in regards to when mm -hmm. you talk about hoodoo, like I said, it's not just some magical thing. No, it came from a group of people. Yeah. It came from a particular space. And, and even in that particular space, the Bible is relevant. Um, we have mm -hmm. an event coming up in, in June in Atlanta, and there's – it's a space where you are able to connect with the, so anyone who decides to take like your course would be really really would do really good to maybe look into conjure South to say all right here's a group of people from this culture people from all kinds of origins but also when I talk when I talk about the Bible and I speak about it in regards to hoodoo that is the African American branch of conjure even if mm -hmm. you look into conjure in the Italian sense they have a very strong tie to the Bible um, mm -hmm. as well. And, and so, mm -hmm. so, for example, we have a particular, we have an Italian witch who um, is a part of Conjure South, and he's bringing in this very strong Bible stuff. And I'm like, yes, this is what mm -hmm. we're missing. It goes mm -hmm. beyond sticking a candle on top of a jar, confetti, and glitter, and saying, mm -hmm. this is hoodoo. No. Mm-hmm. What you need right. to There's... understand is that when when it comes to that Bible, walking around with, with, with the Bible verse maybe in your purse, or, or, or better yet, whenever people get sick, taking their obituary, or not their obituaries, but their pictures, writing a petition on their picture and sitting it inside the Bible and burning a candle on top of it. These kind mm -hmm. of things are the things that are missing when it comes to what hoodoo is, versus let me just make it whatever I want to because it's been said in the in the online and on and in television. Oh, hoodoo's just a big mix of stuff, and 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 you can just make it what you want to do. You can do what you want to, and you can do all of these different things. And one thing is what what my and see for example on this cat, you were speaking about those ninety year old people. See, when I talk about my family, and some people think it's a little bit arrogant, but I am not arrogant at all in regards to my lineage. I'm very proud of my lineage because I understand that where I come from, many, many, most black people in America do not. When you talk about those mm -hmm. people in their 90s, that would be my grandmother and my great aunts and my great uncles. All of mm -hmm. them are still living. Mm -hmm. so all of my elders that brought me up at the age of five until this day, I go to my grandmother about what, on Thursday, 
and she tells me how you go out to the tree, to the pine tree, and you're going to chop it down and get a little bit of rosin out. Not resin now. They say it differently. They get the mm-hmm. rosin out. You get the rosin mm-hmm. out with the herbs and the flower, and you're going to go to Psalms this. And as you're making this turpentine, this is mm-hmm. how you're going to, this is what you're going to pray over it. This is what we used to give Granddad a clean. This is what we used to give mm-hmm. Papa Henry. And so mm-hmm. people don't have that, and people don't know that. So I feel it's my responsibility as someone who was raised in this culture to reconnect people to the root of this stuff. You know, it's yes. so, and a lot of people are very, very upset with, oh, well, my magic isn't working, baby. You have no foundation. Learn mm-hmm. that Bible. Mm-hmm. Learn those prayers. And mm-hmm. those are the kind of things that I truly feel that, that is, is so, that, that is missing. You, you cannot manifest the things in life that you want to when you don't really have a foundation or a true connection. Um, and, it, and it's not only just the because a lot of people too, which is which irritates the hell out of me, is making voodoo and conjure now the power of now. You know, it's mm-hmm. all about just setting your intention that things are going to motion, and it goes beyond that. You have to understand yeah. when we used to say those prayers to save our lives, mm-hmm. we came from when we said those prayers because a lot of people like splitting trees. People don't understand. Mm-hmm. When you split poles, it's the same thing as what we used to do when we had to run through the woods. When you split a tree, mm-hmm. it's the same thing. So now you're lost and now you're separated from your family. That's why you don't split poles today. So it's important right. when, when you're when you done split that tree and you done had mm-hmm. to sit on the north side of that tree and you were praying for that person to come back to you. I'm not praying to um to attract someone in regards to love. But I am trying to find my family. So knowing why you do what you do is a very, very important part of who do. Mm-hmm. You and, know, and, this and that's is, why I think you, the Bible is, is, is very important. Yes, ma'am? You mentioned something about splitting poles, and I'm sure that some of our white listeners won't even know what you, you said. But I do because I was <laughs> raised up to, you know, what I'm saying, I had friends who, you know. But splitting poles... Um, even to go through a turnstile, you know, to go onto the to the uh, trolley car. Oh no, don't split the pole. Don't split a pole. That means two people, each one, go on the other side of the pole. You're not to do that. We'd hold hands and go over the pole, or if we were split, if we did have to split the pole because they kind of herded us through, we'd say things like bread and butter, salt and pepper. Right? Did you ever say mm-hmm. that to come back together again? So you know, one say bread and butter, salt and pepper, and then we would hold each other's hands again. That was that was what I learned in the black community. They they did not do that where I in my mm-hmm. family, but that was called splitting poles. Not a good thing yeah. to do. So you put that and, in context. Miss Pat, let me ask you this: You learned that on the east, on the west coast, right? Yeah, on the west coast. Yeah. Yes, and so that's what I want people to understand too: is this the way that I work my Bible working in the southeast going to look mm-hmm. a little bit different? than the mm-hmm. African-American people in the Southwest. Right. You know, because a lot of people really try to make it, oh, we only come from the Southeast and New Orleans. That You know, that's the only place that got mm-hmm. magic. Mm-hmm. Everything mm-hmm. came from there. And it's like, if you can find an African community, you're going to find African magic somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. There are always, that's right. There's always regional differences. But even the Bible itself, the physical object, 
was considered to have spiritual power. I mean, Nat Turner quite famously well, was a minister, led his revolution, but he carried his Bible with him everywhere he went because the idea was that the Bible would make you bulletproof or save you from bullets. The idea being that the physical Bible itself had a sort of amuletic power. It's an amulet. Viewed, yeah, it's an amulet. And there was plenty of examples of this. We saw that people would carry small pocket Bibles in order to keep themselves safe as a sort of charm. And the Bible could be used that way. People used Bibles by dissolving verses in water or oil to make baths. Mm-hmm. They used it by, in petitions. I and mean, we literally have evidences from the 17th and 18th century of people writing Bible verses on small scraps of paper and then folding them up and putting them in jars, putting them in mojo bags. We find them mm-hmm. in rivers. We find them buried. I mean, you, you see that people are actively engaging with the Bible because they saw the Bible as a source of power, a source of change, and a source of spiritual potency. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So this, this, this why I wanted to talk about Bible working um, mm. on the show today because – Again, I understand, for example, I think someone in the chat was speaking of, you know, they sort of turned from the Bible because they were um, of the LGBTQ community. Some people turn from the Bible because of other reasons or, or, or from Christianity. But right. when you do that and, you, and you're claiming, and, and not just hoodoo, if you're claiming ancestor veneration, you're being mm-hmm. disrespectful on a, on a large level because yes, that's what you may have experienced today. But those same, but but what you may have heard and got gone through today are not the same prayers your grandmother, grandfather, or second great aunt may have prayed for you in order to get into this world. The same thing with um, Catholics. If you are, if, if you're, if you are, uh, um, your ancestry is is of, of Catholic descent, more than likely having a rosary on your altar. You cannot turn away from, you know, the root of who you are, um, especially if you, and I tell people, people go, Cole, I bet you do a lot of work for yourself. And I go, actually, I just, for the most part, venerate my ancestors, make sure they're taken care of, and then they take care of me. You know, mm-hmm. and I know that the Bible is a strong part of that. Like I tell people, like, I grew up in what is called um, Alexander City. Alexander City was actually Benson, Alabama, who was named after my ancestors, um, until the 1919s. So growing up in a black community and going to a family church, I started doing readings for people at the age of five. Brother Carl, what you got for me today? It is what they would say. What you see on me? And I say, oh, you know, I sometimes I see things, sometimes I didn't, you know. And, and people would ask because they knew of the gifts in the family and, and, and all of these different things. But I'm, I, I'm sure y'all have heard, too, of the churches where they would even they would even allow the root lady to set up mm-hmm. at the end of church. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it, this, this kind of, I mean, the different denominations are different, but the Baptists always were the most liberal and had, um, you know, and then the spiritual church movement. I used to attend a, a spiritual church that they, the leader was a man named King Louis Narcisse, and this was in Oakland, but he had churches in Detroit, Bakersfield, New Orleans. He was from New Orleans originally. He was gay, and so he had sort of just drifted away from the Baptist church and became a spiritualist. 
and I've described some of his workings. And you can look him up online and and look up his some of his church services. But I attended those in Oakland, and um, and he was right out front. He did candle magic right there at the church. I mean, you know, there was no like come see me afterwards for the candle magic. Mm-hmm. He did candle magic right there, and you you put your your candles in the metal trays and and uh, with the sand, and you prayed over them, and he prayed with you. Now. Funny thing is, in looking at some of these old YouTube videos, that somebody made some film on him. You can even see the metal trays back behind him in one of the uh, videos. It's the one I'm on the battlefield for my Lord. He sings that. And at the very end, you see those metal trays, which I described. I thought people would would laugh at me. They said, well, what do you know, a little white girl like you? What do you know about, about they couldn't possibly have done that in church. I'm telling you, the film exists. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, and he preached the Bible. And he sang in the key of G like any good Baptist, and he had a beautiful voice. And um, that is the Bible. And I'm going to tell you one other one, just quick, it, one that I was taught. One of the earliest spells I was taught as a young little girl, I asked for how I could get more money, and an older woman told me that you open your Bible to Psalms 23, and you put a dollar bill in it with conviction. And that was the word you just used, Cohen. That's the word she used. You pray with conviction, 23rd Psalm, and you put your dollar in, and you say, now, Lord, help my money to grow. Next time you have a dollar, she said you'd count ahead a few pages and put it in. Now, I've heard some people say seven pages. That's what she said. Other people say count 23 pages. Some people say just one page. That's a lot of dollar bills when you get that done. But when you get to the end of the Bible, some would say you just stop there. Some would say you just come back around, back up to Psalms 23. But however you do it, you're going to end up with a Bible full of dollars, right? And uh, mm-hmm. and she said to me, and she was, and this woman was a good teacher. She said to me, that money that you put in the Bible and you pray the twenty third Psalm, and God will not let you lose that money. You will not spend it foolishly. You will not, do, but you have to dedicate that money to a purpose, whatever it is. You want money to, for down payment for a house. You want money for a car, whatever it is. So it should be something large. And then she she said, God seals that money for you. That money is sealed unto you in the Bible. And then you can spend it on what you need. Well, I said, well, what if you, how many dollar bills would you have in a Bible? She goes, well, you can go back through and you can up them to fives and tens and you'll end up with a Bible full of hundreds if you want to. And I said, well, how many uh, hundreds would fit in a Bible? She said, she just laughed. She goes, well, it depends on what brand of Bible you have, how many pages it has, right? And then she said, I said, well, she said, besides which, she said, honey, you should not ask me how many dollars will fit in a Bible? You should ask me how many Bibles I have in my home. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good. <laughs> I love that. And I said, I I foolishly fell for it. I said, Well, ma'am, how many Bibles do you have in your home? And she said, Oh, don't ask me that. She goes, But I will tell you this: I have so many Bibles in my home, and I told my daughter. When Mama passes away, don't you take those Bibles to the goodwill? She goes until you've read every page of every Bible. <laughs> Mm. Mm. That is so fantastic Yeah, but that was an older lady She was from Mississippi And that's how she worked in Mississippi And that's how she taught me to work And that's why I put my money in the Bible Because as she said, God seals it there It will not be taken from you Mm-hmm. That that's oh my god in the chat room in the chat room Reverend Doctor Sweet says yes my great grandmother had eight thousand dollars in her Bible when she died. <laughs> wow, <laughs> this you know that's old timey good 
work. And a lot of people work in that way with the Bible, either to save money or recognizing the Bible has some type of potency. Another really common way uh, of working that I think people know about is the Psalms. But you don't just have to read the Psalms. The Psalms are the kind of ultimate book of prayers. But the rest of the Bible also has verses that you can call upon. You can turn to the book of Genesis. You can turn to what Jesus said. All of those are things you can call upon. You can pray over a candle with. Sometimes people, I feel, get this feeling that they need to just work with the Psalms, and that's it. No, the entirety of the Bible, while the Psalms mm-hmm. are the kind of one's most famous work, but the entirety of the Bible is filled with prayers and instructions and ways of working. And you can easily work with a chapter from Exodus as you can do from uh, the Psalms. Yeah, I'm going to throw out one more. Master Book of Candle Burning. Okay, mm-hmm. so this yeah. is the, uh, a real old book on candle uh, magic. It's uh, not the oldest one, but I think the second oldest one. And um, uh, the book's written by Henri Gamache. And uh, in that book... There are layouts, drawings of how to set up your altar. In those altars, on the back, um, there usually are a pair of crucifix candles. These are candles in the form of a crucifix with a Bible on the crucifix in the wax. And then there's a couple of hands coming out and there's some keys. They're called master key mm-hmm. and, and book um, of candles. And just at the festival this year, somebody asked me, well, how do you use these crucifix candles? They were not familiar. I said, well, but you put the verse you're going to put on it. Like if you're going to be praying Psalms 23, that's open book, you take your needle and you write. And this is how I was taught. P.S., uh, you know, capital P, little s, and a dot on the left side, and then 23 on the right side, Psalms 23. That is how you would inscribe that candle. Then you put two of these crucifix candles behind on your altar, and then you would open the Bible to Psalms 23, and then you do your moving candle spell or whatever, prepare mm-hmm. your motion, whatever, at that altar. And you also have a, a little uh, incense burner with some incense on it, too. So mm-hmm. that is the way that I was taught to use the Bible open on the altar by an old lady, again, this lady from Mississippi. And she said you just inscribed what, what verse you're going to use on your candle. All right, we could go on for three, four five more hours on this. we got to get Co out here to do a workshop for everybody on um, Bible Magic. Right? We did promise we were going to take a, a client instead of our usual two. We talked ourselves to death here. Um, and I apologize to all the people who wanted to sign up and, and get uh, reading. But let's turn this over to Papa Newt. We're going to take our first and only client tonight. Okay? Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com, and by the Association of Independent Readers and Rubricers, AIR, the Directory of Ethical and Authentic Conjure Practitioners, located online at readersandrootworkers.org, and by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of missionary independent spiritual churches, located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and take our caller, and our caller is calling in from area code 225 in Louisiana. This is Latasha. Latasha, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hello. Welcome to the show. I see this is your first time calling in, so thank you for entrusting us with your situation tonight. And um, looking at your information here, I see that you have not had a, a private reading with uh, Miss Cat or Conjurman Ali or have gone to any other root workers on this situation. Is that correct? 
That's correct. Thank you. And Latasha writes, there is this guy. We've been seeing uh, one another for about a year, just trying to see what are the possibilities, if any, any could, uh, could this become more. Uh, do you see that I'm cross with bad, and with bad luck or uh, any type of jinx? Uh, turn it back to you, Ms. Kay. All right. Hi, Latasha, and welcome uh, to our show. We're going to go nice and easy on you. Don't worry about it, because we do this at once a week. We give readings for people. But I'm going to ask you a couple of questions before we start the readings, okay? So um, one of the things that I'd like to know is, what is your sign of the zodiac? I'm a Leo. A Leo. All right. Now, um, the person, the guy... um, what is the guy's sign of the zodiac? He's a Sagittarius. All right, we got two fire signs. Now you're you're two thirds of the way home. That's good. They always say that people who are fire signs go best with other fire signs, earth with earth, air with air, or they say go by um, uh, positive and negative, so that fire and air go well together, earth and water go good. They tend downward, the others tend up. That's a nice combination, and uh, so that's a good. Thing. Now, we want to see a little bit more intimately about this. I'm going to ask you one other question. Do either you or him, you've been seeing each other for a year, do either you or him have children from another relationship? Yes. You bo- do. Well, tell me who. Do you have a child? I have, I have two from another relationship, and he also has kids from another relationship. All right. So now we're asking about something. I'm going to. The reason I ask this question is, we got some good signs with the fire thing, but what, when mm. you have other children, there are th- these are sometimes a cause of stress and sometimes a cause of great bonding. So your children live with you? Um, no, they're grown up. One one is grown, one little bit is dead. All right, all right. So the children, the reason I ask is sometimes when we have a relationship, we just kind of want to know the territory of who is seeing, because the children have a voice. You see, when you talk when you talk about spiritual spells and when you talk about work, it isn't just the two who love. They might have, you might have said, no, we have no children, but I've got a, a golden retriever dog and, and, and he's got a, a pet cat. You see what I'm saying? I've got to find out kind of where we're at with all of that. All right. Now, okay. having asked, yeah, so having ask those questions we have some sort of an idea now I'm going to do a real quick reading and um, and then Co is going to do a reading and Co and I use different decks we, we read differently I'm going to use the old fashioned Rider Waite Tarot deck and if I'm guessing correctly he may use a very unusual one of his own but we're just going to see what happens okay I'm going to do three cards on what possibility card number one is a great wonderful card it's called the two of cups and it shows a man and a woman facing each other and they each hold a golden goblet like a wine goblet and uh, between them in the air is a symbol for the planet mercury which means communication speech and above that guess what a red lion's head with wings well that means you're going to be in charge leo is leo see it's a lion and it shows that the two are are uh, in communication, and as long as communication is good, we call this card the betrothal, that is to say the engagement, but not yet the marriage. Now, the man is a little bit tenuous. He's reaching for the lady's cup, but he's kind of a little bit pulled back. He might He's not settled in yet. She is 
very sincere about the relationship she holds and offers her cup to him completely. So what I see here is this is a very good start to the relationship, and if you can get him to settle. Now, Sagittarius is what's called a mutable sign, and they do tend to scamper around a little bit, as opposed to Leo, which is a very faithful sign. But Leo is right here at the top of this thing, and so that says that there's some a good, it's good potential, very good potential. The next card is called the Chariot. So the chariot shows a man in a chariot, and he's got two Egyptian sphinxes, you know, with those little stripy head pieces on. And uh, one is black and one is white, one is male, one is female. So it's a union of two people. But they are not hooked up. They have no harnesses. They have no way to pull the chariot. And there's a star, canopy of stars over the man in the chariot. He wears a crown of stars. He has the moons on his shoulders, waxing moon and waning moon. He has all the signs of the zodiac on his belt. And he has crossed a river, left a little town. He's in a field. He's ready to go, but they're not hooked up yet. So this is the card of a delay before a marriage. Um, You need to work, no, I shouldn't say need, but you should be working toward a real union, a marriage, and not just live together, not just shack up. But the time is not quite right yet. You've got to wait for the right stars to align. It says it can come in time. This card can sometimes be a delay, but it's never a card of loss. It always reminds me of the old hymn, um, We've Come This Far by Faith, Leaning on the Lord. This is a card of you're, you're, you're started on it, but you have faith. You will get there, but it's going to take a little bit of uh, uh, tying up those two sphinxes to get them to pull that chariot forward. And I always say when I look at this card, summer is a good time to work. Uh, this is a card of summertime. And uh, it's a good time for um, you to do some binding work. Also, there are some sexual implications in this card. There's an axle going through some wheels, and there's a picture of what looks like a, a lingam and a yoni, or a, what, what you just might call an axle and a wheel. There's a a sun with wings, time is flying. So you want to, starting right now and working in through summertime, uh, you want to be working toward binding a little bit with sexual binding spells. And the third card is a a card that, again, is a good card and does not show that you're cursed or jinxed. It's not a, I don't see that kind of trouble for you, but I do see that there may be some, um, ups and downs about this person uh, based perhaps, just, and I'm just saying, going to say perhaps, that there may be something a little bit about this man that's hard to settle down because the card is the King of Cups. And this shows a man floating on a, on a throne that's floating on a stone that's on the ocean. And behind him on one side there's a fish, and behind him on the other side is a ship. Now a fish always represents a woman. And this could be why I asked Does he have children? Does he have a woman from his past? She may have put a little binding on him. She may want him back. She may think ill of him. Something's going on behind him. It could be his mother as well. It could be an ex-girlfriend that's not the mother of his children, but there's some woman who's making a claim on him spiritually, and I do not necessarily mean physically. There's a ship, and this is a man who might come and go a little bit. He might come and go. He has a cup which means he, he is um, has a heart. A cup is the same as a suit of hearts. But he is going to be a little hard to bring to land. You might want to do some work 
uh, to bring him to land. It might not just proceed naturally the exact way you wish it would. All right, I'm going to turn this over to Co and see what he has to say. Okay. Co, are you there? Oh, yes, ma'am, I'm here. I'm sorry. I thought I was on mute. Yes, I will be using the Huda Queen Conjure Tarot. Um, and this is a deck that I created. You can, you know, purchase it online or whatever else. But this deck is actually um, geared and was designed on a very bone reading, playing card reading. Some some people even say like Lenormand style reading um, system. So we should get some very very quick answers here, very very simply. Um, okay. So I'm just gonna pull four cards here. Okay. When I pull the first card, um, the very first card I get is the Kyrie shells. The Kyrie shells are all flipped over where the where the where the shell is closed, where the um, and so it, it looks like a slit. So if you were doing some conjure work, this would be a lot of female energy around. So I think that's pretty interesting due to the fact that Miss Cat brought up that there's definitely um, a female in the midst here. When I pull the next card. I am getting um, the card of pine. The card of pine says that there's also some things that need to be healed in your particular situation in regards to this um, man. Now, as I go to the next card, so each card is going to give me a little bit more clear answer to where we're going. The next card I get is the card of accountability. The card of accountability sort of makes me um, want to say, hey, look, whatever is going on, regardless if you, again, and I guess like Ms. Cat also said, some kind of union, some kind of trying to seal the deal needs to start happening, it's going to be up to you. You're going to have to do some work. You're going to have to make some things truly happen here in order to get the result that you want. Otherwise, you're not going to really see um, the things that you desire. The kind of work that you need to do, just do to, my card said gives us some, some solutions or some things that you may want to do, is maybe do some doll working. I get the Nkisi. So the Nkisi is a, is a, is a African, um, is like a wood fetish doll. Have you ever seen those little wooden dolls with the nails all in them? No, no, but I can you have it? it up okay. there. So so this is the kind of working that you want to do, but what you want to do with this kind of working is not to, um, you don't want to make this out to be a, I'm going to harm you every time a nail is drilled into this doll, but you need to drill the nail in with the vow of, you will marry me, you will marry me, you will marry me, we'll marry in the summer, or whatever the situation may be. So, again, that's what I'm seeing here. So I feel that your possibilities, um, and I pull just one more card just for the heck of it, and I get Dambala Wedo. In my religion, Dambala is the um, is the father of the Radha Nation, which talks about healing. He's really big with, with healing. So there are some very um, touchy spaces in your relationship with this man that needs to be healed in order for you to move forward to the place that you want to go. But what I am getting 
off of the cars in regards to you, there's a lot of reservation. There's a lot of reservation. You're not jumping right into this for whatever reason. So the, and when I see this accountability card as well, it makes me want to say, is this what you really want? Is this the man that you really want to be with? Because i got a feeling that you're questioning it maybe a little bit too much. And if that's the case, you may just want to reconsider the whole thing all the way around. That's what I'm picking up. This is who I want to be with, but I I just wanted to know, like, kind of what what he's thinking in, in, without asking him too many questions. Well, what we get, uh, uh, that's clarifying it. Thank you. Uh, what we both got here, and I'm going to speak for Coan myself, is that he's a little tenuous. There's, he's not yet, he's like a fish that doesn't yet swallow the hook 100%. And you can't, you know, he's not. He's a horse that's not harnessed, um, and uh, he's a man who has not yet taken a vow. He's willing to share cups. In other words, he loves you. He's sharing his heart, but there, he hasn't put a ring on it yet. And that's going to take some work to do that. It, it, you, you understand what I'm saying? Now, we're going to turn it. Yeah, but, but it's not a bad None of these cards were bad, but there's a little bit of loose ends here. And that partly because he's a Sagittarius, they tend to be a, a little scampery about. They don't settle down as fast as some of the other signs do, and they're hard to bring to land, and they're just a little wobbly sometimes. So let's turn mm. this over to Conjurman Ali. He's going to give you some root work advice, things that you could do at your own home uh, to to help with this. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to give you some root work. Uh, I have a real quick question here. Um, are his kids in his life right now, or are they with his ex? Or yes, they're they're in his life. They're in his life. Does he live with his children? Yes. Yeah. Okay. There's a reason I asked this question is because I ha- had cast a geomantic reading uh, just to follow along, and my reading warns that the kids are a little bit of a problem. We have. Rubius, which is yours, usually when Rubius shows up, for me, we are in traditional Hatal Ramal, sometimes they even would rip the, 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 the chart up and say we have to wait an hour and read. I don't follow that school, but it does give me a, it gives me a red sign. It goes, hold on, something's here, you need to pay attention to it. That passes into the third house, which is the house of the living situation. Then the, it passes to the fifth house, which is the house of children. So it's very clear, like, couldn't spell it out any clearer. Living situation, children, there's a problem there. So you're going to have to, whatever work you're going to do, you need to deal with getting his kids around as well on your side. They may be friendly. I don't know if you know, if you've met them or you haven't met them. I don't know what the situation is, but you need to get them to be on. Okay, you need them to be on your side because they can become a problem and, and, and be one of the main reasons for the hesitation that Miss Cat and, and Co. is seeing uh, right now. So I'm, for me, that, that's very important, and I'm going to use that angle to do the kind of root work is to really get them on their side. And also be aware that there is something in this dude's past. I don't know if it's, if it's his ex or if he's still with her or what's going on, or, or there's some type of debt there because the 12th house comes up quite uh, importantly for me as well. So both of these kind of give me warning signs, and they say you need to work at this at kind of multiple angles to see if you're going to get this guy to settle. But it's not going to happen naturally. So what I'm going to do is give you three workings to help turn this around. Um, I'm not going to pry for any more details, but but I think you know what I'm talking about. There's something there. You need to be a little careful. 
try to get the people, the kids on your side. Um, you're going to have to work around the living situation because if you're expecting this guy to commit to you and his kids are still living with him, there's something, you know, you need to get that, you need to get that sorted out. Um, and also figure out okay. what's going on with his partner, if, if she still has a dominating influence or not. All of that's what the geomancy is telling me. So based off of the geomancy and, and Miss Cat and Co's reading, here's what I recommend. Get yourself some matching gifts. It can be a necklace, something that he's going to wear. When you two have sex, do you guys have sex with one another? Yes or no? Okay, good. When you guys have sex, get the sexual fluids from both of you. Anoint both of these pieces of jewelry. Place them under a bowl. Take a pink candle, write your name, his name, and then anoint it with love me and stay with me. If you want him to marry you, then do marry me oil, but stay with me will also work. You anoint it, uh, melt the little bottom of the candle, stick it onto the bowl, burn it all the way down. So that all that prayer, pray over that. The prayer of that candle seeps through the bowl into, those, into the jewelry. Take the jewelry out, light some incense, love me incense, stay with me incense, and smoke it, both of them in the incense. Give one to him and keep the matching one for yourself. This can be a pair of... Uh, necklaces, it can be a locket with your picture in it, it can be whatever it is, but it needs to be matching. You give one to him, you keep one for yourself. Then, when you have, next time you have sex with him, wipe him off, clean him off with his own underwear. You can be sneaky about it, but like, I'm just cleaning it. Keep the underwear. When he leaves, not the underwear with his sexual fluids, bury it in your backyard. That is to keep him and make him yours. That's to ensure his fidelity. That is to ensure that he sticks around because he's a Sagittarius and he's all over the place. Then you need to get the kids on your side. Take a family photo of him and his children. You can find it online. You can ask them for it, whatever you need. Take a picture of him and his kids. Put yourself into it. You can Photoshop it in, or if you don't have Photoshop skills, you can use scissor and tape. I've seen people do it. You put yourself in there. Put this into a picture frame. Write out Psalm 112 for home blessing. Put it into an envelope with basil, a pinch of sugar, rose. Place in the back of that frame and light white candles in front of that picture frame. Three steps, very important for turning this around for you. All righty. Now, what was that Psalm again? 112. 112, Okay. All righty, boy, that was good stuff, and I hope that uh, that Latasha takes this advice. You can always listen again and get it all written down. Uh, now we're going to turn this over uh, to um, Papa Newt, I believe. I'm not sure where we are in our <laughs> – we skipped one client, so what do we do now? Punt? <laughs> The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30, the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6, Fit and Foxy, Madame Nadia and Jaya Danya, Wednesdays, 6 to 7, and The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays, 6 to 7. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our freestyle segment with Co Meadows of Co Meadows.com in Auburn, Alabama. Take it away, Co. 
All righty. So there's a couple of things you're going to need, and believe it or not, you're going to need a Bible. Imagine that. <laughs> so, so you're going to need a Bible, and we're going to be working with Psalms 80. This is going to be a psalm that helps you overcome your enemies, okay? This is a psalm where you're going to overcome your enemy. You're going to want to get a piece of paper that's going to be um, a, a good size that can fit into your shoe or that can fold up well enough to be placed in the sole of your shoe. What you're going to do is take that piece of paper. You're going to write the name of your enemy. Now, you're going to do this working for nine sunsets. So every sunset for nine days, you write their name on the piece of paper, and you turn it. You want to write it one time, turn it clockwise, write your name on top of theirs. Once you've done that, burn a black candle and pray Psalms 80, verses 6 and 7. Do that for do that for um from for nine sunsets. Once you have finished those nine sunsets, you fold this paper away from you and from one corner to the next, after you made a cute little square, you're gonna write the um Psalms eighty, verse six from one corner to the other corner, and then from the other corner to the next, creating an X, Psalms um eighty seven. So you made an X with verse 6 and an X with verse 7, okay? Once you've done that, you take this petition and you're going to put it in your shoe, and this is how you literally overcome your enemies because you are walking on them. Wow. Boy, that's a good one. <laughs> oh, Co, that's a fantastic one. You know, um, this is so important. I, I'm going to also just give a, a, I mean, when you do a spell that you wear in your shoe, you're connecting with some really old form of magic. I wrote a whole book on this called Paper in My Shoe. I wish I'd had that spell to put in that book, but I don't <laughs> think I knew you. I don't think I knew you when I, as well. I, I knew who you were, but I didn't know you well enough when I did that book. I'd love to put that spell up someplace in print. Um, I have a lot of spells in there for papers in your shoe, and there are many of them mm -hmm. to overcome enemies, to get a job, and so forth. This is classic, perfect, clean work. And um, Papa Newt, thank you. Papa Newt, put the verses in the chat room. Verse 6, this is Psalms 80, verse 6, Thou makest us a strife unto our neighbors, and our enemies laugh among themselves. And uh, verse 7, Turn us again, O God of hosts, and cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. Oh, I so love that. It even has the word turn in there. It mm -hmm. even has the word turn. I mean, this is how it's done. This is, yeah. folks, this is this is how it's done. The mm -hmm. verses and versicles of the Psalms contain their own instructions for how to use them. That's Absolutely. perfect, Co. And that didn't require anything but a piece of paper, a pen, and a shoe, and your shoe, and the name of your enemy, and that is something else. Now, um, there are, again, many forms of work in this kind of work. And I'm going to say that um, one of the ones that I have also seen used is Psalms 1. 
to drive enemies away because it says that the way of the um, ungodly shall uh, perish and the way of those who are in the congregation shall stay. But that's not done as a shoe spell. That's done. You burn that to ashes after you've written all the names on it, rent the whole thing out, and you burn it to ashes. You go to a crossroads to throw it up into the air because it says it will be scattered as chaff in the wind. So Mm -hmm. the way these psalms are used and what they're used for is very traditional. Everybody has their own way. Now, may I ask you, Co, where did you learn that one from? Who taught you that one? My great aunt Rachel. Your great aunt. My great aunt Rachel was. um, Well, she is still working. She's in her nineties. Oh wow. Was well well known, and so she. I mean, I I go and see my great uncle and aunt and grandmother at least once a week. So I learn even to this day as much as I know. I'm always learning something new. I'm like, look, I'm going to do some Bible work. What is something that you haven't given me? And so this was something that she was like, well, this is one way that I do mine. And this is something very recent that she gave me. Wow. I, uh, see, there's no substitute for family learning. And there's mm-hmm. no substitute for learning from practitioners. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm going to say, we publish and write books and we try to preserve some of this material because families are so fragmented and different people turn away from some of this older form of folklore. So writing it down is always good. But um, if you have anybody in your family like Co does, go talk to them. You say to mm-hmm. them, well, well, Grandma, what did you do? Great Auntie, what did you do? Tell me how you do this. They may not know much, but they may be able to point you to someone who does. But mm-hmm. it's it's not just about the Bible. This isn't to tell my uh, disconnected urban uh, uh, listeners here, oh, now you got to go read the Bible. That's the new cool thing. There's another <laughs> lesson here. <laughs> There's another lesson here that Co is giving you very subtly, which is learn from your own family. Learn from mm-hmm. your own family. Mm-hmm. And if your family is not African-American, but you have a Swedish grandma, you ask your Swedish grandma, how do you how do you use the Bible, Swedish grandma? Mm-hmm. And she'll tell you something too, right? Exactly. And, uh, and nobody's going to say, oh, Swedish grandma, why aren't you worshiping Thor, you stupid old lady? You let those mm-hmm. horrible Christians take you away from your native paganism. No, man, mm-hmm. her family been Lutheran for a thousand years, right? She's a Lutheran, but she'll tell you how to use the Bible, your Swedish grandma. You've got to go ask your Croatian grandma, your Ukrainian grandma, your whatever grandma. If it's been in your family for more than 100 years, yeah, if it's been in your family five years, somebody will have taught somebody something by then. But if it's been in your Absolutely. family for generations, it's going to be there. Thank you, Coda. And I would you. like to, and I would just like to have a quick moment just to, again, I, I'm, I'm of African descent. I can only speak from my space. I agree 100% with you on this, cat. But for but but for those people who are really really looking for, and again, if you're going to take the Hoodoo um, correspondence course, and you really want to know what we did, I do want to encourage you again to look into Conjure South and Miss Cat. I want to speak to you more about Conjure South as well as a reference for your students and your new students that are coming in that go, well, I don't know, I don't have any black friends, or how am I going to get these stories? Um, Mm -hmm. Because South, my aunt and my mother and other elders in my family, they have, because South is what I call the the hoodoo grimoire. 
Um, mm-hmm. Because I try to make it a little bit more elegant. Grimoire sounds so pretty. Um, and so, <laughs> and so um, my, my great aunt and my mother are taking me to different homes in our town of different workers or people who had work done on them, and they're giving me their story. Mm, wonderful. That's so, so wonderful. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to, we, we are certainly uh, hoping for something good from Contra South. That just sounds wonderful. It really does. And again, I want to tell people there is no um, exclusivity to folk magic, it exists all around the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, friendly, friendly people will invite you into their homes and teach you if you are friendly to them. So, Absolutely. Thank you so much, Cole. You, you've been a wonderful yes, guest. We'll so have you on again you. real soon. Now, folks, we will not be back next week. We're going to have a rebroadcast next week, but we will be back in two weeks. Um, I'm going to turn this over to Papa Newt and see if he can close us out, and then we'll all come and say goodbye. Thank you, Miss Kat and Congressman Ali, and thank you, Co Meadows of ComeMeadows.com in Auburn, Alabama, for being our guest this week. We do invite you to join us in two weeks on May 6th when we'll have another special guest from the Association of Independent Readers and Rubrikers, who will be Madame Pamita of ParlorofWonders.com in Los Angeles, California. Once again, we come to an end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rubric Hour brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Miss Kat via the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Contraman Ali at thecontraman.com in Mission Viejo, California. I'm your announcer, Papa Newt, joining you from papanewt.com in Omaha, Nebraska. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rubric Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available in archive via luckymojo.com slash radioshow.html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to say thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you'll hear the, the familiar strains of the Memphis Jugman playing the Jugman Waltz. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.